the mysterious disappearance of a 30-year-old mother has captivated residents of central Pennsylvania for over three decades. With potential connections to other unsolved crimes, a history of allegations made by local residents, and no new information from the Attorney General's office since they took over the case in 2018, small-town theories, conspiracies, and suspicions continue to run rampant today. This is the cold case of Barbara Miller. About last night, a true crime podcast. Welcome back to About Last Night. I'm your host, Anna Wiest, an advocate for justice, with Francis Scarcella, reporter from The Daily Item. Here's what we know so far. Barbara Miller disappeared on June 30th, 1989, after attending her best friend's wedding. She was reported missing five days later by her ex-boyfriend and lead suspect, Mike Egan. After almost 30 years of investigations that made way for no answers, the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office took over the case in 2018 and have revealed no new information since. For years, Sunbury locals have suspected that there has been a connection between the disappearance of Barbara Miller and the murder of Ricky Wolf. On December 12, 1986, the body of Ricky Wolf was found surrounded by a pool of blood near a boat ramp along the Susquehanna River. Three years later, in 1989, five men were charged in the murder of Ricky Wolf. Two of these men were acquitted. The other three, Robert Hummel, William Hendricks, and Scott Schaefer, were convicted. Years later, in 2006, Robert Hummel recanted his 1989 testimony that Hendricks and Schaefer were involved in the murder. Billy Hendricks and Scott Schaefer were released from prison after pleading no contest to conspiracy to commit third-degree murder and conspiracy to commit kidnapping. Both Hendricks and Schaefer continue to claim their innocence. Francis, tell us about the homicide of Ricky Wolf as a separate case, its own story. So as I was uh, in doing uh, some investigating on Barbara Miller, I came across the name Ricky Wolf on several different occasions. In the meantime, I had heard of a local man by the name of Scott Schaefer. And Scott Schaefer was the man who was convicted of uh, one of the people who was convicted of, of the murder of Ricky Wolf. So I knew I had to meet this guy and I wanted to get his story. Uh, it took a little bit, but I eventually was able to sit down with Mr. Schaefer and he told me the entire story from his point of view. So obviously, there's, you know, three sides to every story. So I continued to do more digging, uh, and I followed all old media coverage of this case. Then I decided I was going to speak to the Wolf family. So I located Tim Wolf, who is Ricky Wolf's son, and I asked him his version of the story. Tim Wolf told me point blank, 100%, Scott Schaefer was innocent of this crime. And I said, well, how do you know that? What would make you say that this man had nothing to do with it? And he said it was an impossible task. He didn't know him. So after speaking with Tim Wolf, I said, wait a second. This is just, something's just not right in all of this. So I went backwards and I pulled every newspaper article that was written about this 1986 case. What I discovered was in December of 1986, there was a body that was discovered on 
in Montana next to a next to a pond. And I said, "Wow, next to a pond. It's the same pond that was searched a year prior to this for Barbara Miller." So, I wanted to continuously find out wh- how these two cases could possibly be connected. I I pulled up all the old police reports and it looked like Ricky Wolf was involved in the drug trade, but very low key, not a big player. My understanding was uh, through various court documents and testimony that Ricky Wolf may have owed drug money. Uh, There was a bunch of people who were arrested for this. Uh, it, It was so convoluted and so intertwined that it was an almost an impossible task to put all these puzzle pieces together. You remember when I told you about the Legos yep. and you had to put them all together? Yep. So I'm thinking to myself, I have all of these Lego pieces and now it's starting to fit in. And then here comes Ricky Wolf out of nowhere. But the interesting part about Ricky Wolf is I got a lot of phone calls when I did the first story uh, about possible ties. And I got a lot of phone calls. Uh, the Barb Miller case, we got phone calls but I'll tell you, not as many as the Ricky Wolf one. And people were saying that Scott Schaefer was innocent and had nothing to do with this at all. And it led me down so many different paths and so many different names. And this is where the name Roy Harold pops back up. This is where the name Mike Egan pops back up. Kathy Reichenbach pops back up. It's the same players. It's just a different game. We'll be back after this. The America's Hose Company has been serving Sunbury and the surrounding community since 1893. Today, they respond to emergencies with multiple ambulance crews and a tower within the Sunbury Fire Department. Their social club is a hot spot for many Sunbury locals looking for a relaxed environment and a home-cooked meal after a long day on the job. Their menu offers the classics along with a new special every day at an affordable price for the whole family. Come and enjoy yourself for good food good drinks, and good friends. Scott Schaefer also claims that after he was arrested, his fiance at the time received a voicemail from Barbara Miller in which she stated that if Schaefer and Hendricks were not acquitted at their pretrial hearing, she would come forward with evidence that would prove them innocent. Two days later, she went missing. Local residents theorize that Miller went missing because she planned to come forward with this evidence. They suspect that someone she knew was involved in the murder. So the way that this case was actually connected to Barb Miller is through Scott Schaefer. So let's explain Scott's situation a little bit. Scott was convicted of the homicide of Ricky Wolf. Now he, in 1989, He spent 17 years in prison until he finally got out. Tell us how he got out of prison. Not an easy task to to even explain it. It's even a a crazier story when you you speak to Scott himself. But uh, Scott continued to maintain his innocence. He uh, refused to give up. And eventually there was uh, various pieces of evidence that had come forward, including the recanting of testimony by one of the people who put Scott Schaefer behind bars. Uh, I also had interviewed him and he admitted to me that he lied because he had no choice. He also admitted that he was there that night. So uh, 
the, the setup was to get the Schaefer name uh, again in in this community in you know sleepy central Pennsylvania was a big name. Uh, they were known as thugs. They were known as drug runners. Uh, it was in the 80s, so a lot of these people just they feared them. So it's easy to blame. It's easy to blame those type of uh, of people who were targeted. So now the guy goes to jail. He has no money. Uh, his family is all over the place, and he has to fight for his life on his own. And evidence comes forward, uh, which which grants him a new trial. Uh, to make a long story short with that, because I'm sure uh, Scott would, will, will tell his story much better than I will, he gets granted a new trial. So now you have to make a decision. Do you plead guilty? Do you plead no contest? Or do you go and take the new trial? Well, Scott said, I'm never pleading guilty. So they said, well, then we go to a new trial, and we believe we still have enough evidence. Uh, but you also have enough evidence that you can get a new trial. So it's kind of 50-50. You put it back in the hands of a jury. So now he waits. He'd have to wait another two years before he even went to trial, if it if even was that quick, or sign this document, plead no contest, and we'll let you out of jail today. It's a no-brainer. Anybody that sat in prison for 17 years is going to sign the piece of paper. It's just literally a no-brainer. So he figured he can do much more... Uh, be much more of a voice on the outside than he can on the inside while he was waiting. So with that new evidence that came forward, uh, he was he was able to be uh, released based on a uh, no contest plea, which again doesn't sit well with the community and it doesn't sit well with Mr. Schaefer himself. But the interesting part about the the whole ties to it was way before that he even went to trial when he was still waiting for a preliminary arraignment, uh, there was this phone call that was made between Barb Miller and Scott Schaefer's fiance at the time where she called and left a message and said I will be at the preliminary arraignment for or preliminary hearing for uh, Scott and I have evidence to show that he was not there well I asked Scott about this and Scott told me he never even heard the name didn't know who she was would have been two different sets of people that they hung out with and uh, they tried to locate her and uh, his fiance tried to locate her but unfortunately, days later, she went missing. So the connection here, the, well, the theory is that Barb Miller made this call, had evidence that Scott Schaefer wasn't there, which also could mean that she had evidence to prove who was there. How, according to the theory, how would she have had this information? Nobody knows. That's the that's the mystery of the that's the mystery of it. Even Scott doesn't know. I know Scott. I've asked them many times, and and you know, you know, Barb Miller could have been your saving grace, and he never met her, and and magically you're you're linked to her for the rest of your life, and and he has no response to it. You know, what do, what do you say when there's a when there's a woman out there, or not just a, any person out there who is attempting to save you, and you never met her, you never met him, you never nothing, and you'll never get those answers. And I think that's a huge thing to weigh on somebody. But, boy, I'd love to hear that tape. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. Chris Reese is not your average insurance agent. He's your neighbor. He's a coach for your child's sports team. He is the loyal customer of your local small business. Chris Reese is an insurance agent who wants to support you as well as your community. 
He wants to help protect you from the risks of everyday life while also helping you realize your dreams. Offering personal and small business insurance as well as financial services, Chris Reese, State Farm Insurance Agent. For more information, call 570-495-4556 or email chris at sunburyinsurance.com. Yeah, what happened to that tape? Nobody knows. Nobody knows what happened. But it wouldn't make sense for it to be made up. So I thought about that too. And it's like, oh, okay. So magically, there was a tape. Magically. But this was documented a long time ago. This wasn't new information. This was something that was out floating around since 1986. I was able to get... Um, like cassette tapes that Scott Schaefer had actually made while he was in prison. And in these cassette tapes, Scott actually says that his fiance received the voicemail from Barb Miller, like way back when, when he was still in prison. I have a tape of him saying this. So that's absolutely accurate. That is not new. That it didn't just come out within the past few years. Which is exactly my point. Right. Uh, I, I mean, it, you would, if it was recently, you'd say, oh, okay, you're just trying. Yeah, whatever. But it's not. It's been there. The, the, I mean, you've listened to the tapes. It's been there for a long time. So why would you just make that up not knowing? And he was in jail at the time. So how would he know what happened? So supposedly. I mean, I mean, days later, how would he know? How would he know she was going to go missing? How would he know anything about it? So supposedly, like according to this, the same people that would have been involved in the homicide of Ricky Wolf would have been involved in the disappearance of Barbara Miller. Some of the players, maybe? That's what seems to make sense. I mean, like... But it's a Lego piece, and you think you have it on there until something else comes out, and then it changes the game again. And it's... the, The thing that I always just found just completely fascinating is... Nowadays, this would never happen. You have phone records. You can trace things back. You can get those documents. You can get all of those things. But then... Who knows if she called on a payphone in downtown Sunbury? Who knows how she made that phone call? It's not as easy, and you just don't have those records. And I've seen old records where it was like uh, in Pennsylvania, they had Bell Telephone. And it wasn't like you have now Verizon, Sprint, AT&T, all these companies where you can pretty much track everything you're doing and location on where you made the calls and pings. And they didn't have that back then. So it's so, so crazy. Uh that it's just an unfortunate time and and believe it or not i believe it was much easier back then to do to, to commit a crime and and a lot of people not just in this case i think across the country took advantage of those situations and got lucky we'll be right back mm-hmm. when car repairs get difficult well i i just don't know um me neither we get good sunbury motors more than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of 
your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. Mm. out of auto repair. According to court documents, former Sunbury Police Chief Tim Miller revealed his theory of the connection between the cases. According to Miller, he had found a diary that was kept by late Pennsylvania trooper Corporal Richard Bramhall. In the diary were the trooper's secret findings. Bramhall had written down his theory regarding the Ricky Wolf murder, in which he suggested that Barbara Miller was kidnapped and murdered, supposedly because of her knowledge of her ex-boyfriend's involvement in the Wolf murder. Corporal Bramhaw even testified at Scott Schaefer's hearing in 2002 that he had evidence that led him to believe that a man named Roy Harold had actually committed the murder, but he gave no further information on this theory. Another thing that kind of ties back to the fact that this isn't some new theory, Corporal Richard Bramhaw, who is now deceased, he actually kept a diary when he was investigating these cases that kind of linked the cases way back in 2002, I believe the diaries from, when he was investigating this. And he testified at Scott's trial when he was getting released that he did not believe Scott Schaefer was involved in this case. Correct. Is this correct? That would have been a PCRA hearing, which would not have been a trial, but yes. Okay, yeah. But yes, he would have been, yeah. I mean, I didn't really know uh, Bramhaw, but I did have one conversation with him in passing, and this was after a couple of stories I did, and he said, keep on keeping on, because you're on to something. And that's basically the, the gist of the conversation, which I took as a huge compliment, because uh, he was just very well respected, and, and, he, and he knew what he was doing. So I took that as a huge compliment, and it just that always sat with me, and I'll never forget that. And in his testimony at Schaefer's hearing, Bramhall actually suggested he had evidence that supported the fact that Roy Harold, who was in our suspects of Barbara of the disappearance of Barbara Miller episode, he had evidence evidence that suggested that Roy Harold committed the homicide of Ricky Wolf, which ties back to our the same players may have been involved in both cases, yes? And ties into the third, which is the murder of Frank Spencer, which had to do with the ex- uh, ex-wife Maria Sanuti Spencer, who was arrested for it with her dad, Rocco Franklin, who son-in-law was Roy Harold at the time. It was it's all in the same time period. Now, now, mind you, the Frank Spencer murder was many, many, many years later, but the players are still there. So a lot of those players that, that were involved in this would have known. And I've asked every single one of them, including Rocco Franklin, including Maria Sanuti Spencer. And this is the best kept secret I have ever witnessed. The theory regarding the disappearance of Barb Miller is generally accepted, not only by local citizens, but by police as well. According to this theory, Barb was a woman who got mixed up with the wrong crowd and who wanted to stand up in the name of justice, but was silenced before she had the chance. Thank you for listening to this episode. In the next episode, we will sit down with Scott Schaefer himself. 
the man who claims that Barb Miller left a voicemail on his phone in 1989, saying that she would come forward with evidence to prove him innocent. Scott continues to claim his innocence in the Ricky Wolf homicide. Hear from him yourself in the next episode. Produced by Harv Productions, LLC.